0: What's better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Kyle, what's up, man? Hello!
1: Coming in like Mrs. Doubtfire on hump day. I'm ready to roll. Getting into the NFC West today, State of the Union addresses. I'm looking forward to it.
0: You know, it's funny, we're doing NFC West today and Jamal Adams, safety, defensive yeah. player, whatever you want to call him for the Seahawks, he got the bag, four years, $70 million. So the, uh, the Seattle franchise is quite invested in Jamal Adams. Two first-round picks and obviously this contract, which is exactly what we expected it to be, right, when they made the deal. They knew they had to extend it, but man. I think there's some fair questions to ask about that contract and Adam's skill set and all of those types of things. But
1: it's like you almost wish you could have gone back and just taken Marcus May, right? Like (laughs) if they were going to trade one of them and obviously Marcus isn't happy with his contract situation in New York, but like may stepped into that role in New York and did a pretty darn good job of doing it. And you could have got him. You definitely want to cost you two ones and $70 million over four seasons, man. Oh man. So.
0: All right. So and Shuby's over here just grinning because he's a Jets fan and got those two first round picks and doesn't have to pay this deal. And we're not even concerned about the Jets safety. Like it's not even a conversation. It's
1: something right. they have figured yeah, out. Ashton Davis on day two and and Marcus May for the time right.
0: being. Right. Good job. Good job. Oh, Joe Douglas there on that move. All right. So it's the uh, the state of series, like Kyle said, NFC West. Arizona Cardinals up first. I feel like this is the team we talk about the most on this podcast.
1: It feels like it, doesn't it? Right. I mean, we ha- we have some really loyal listeners who are Cardinals fans. Uh, Vontel being one of them who directly requested that I not let Chris talk during the Cardinals segment. Chris, I don't know if it's because of your jadedness from being in the market or what, but Vontel has directly said, please don't let Chris talk when you guys do the Cardinals. But I don't know how much – more flattering things Joe and I are going to have to cook up here talking about Arizona.
0: So let's start with the recent draft hauls. And I think the one thing you have to keep in mind when you talk Cardinals draft is Steve Kime has been the GM since 2013. I mean, this is right. a long-established general manager in the NFL. And when I look over the starting lineup for the Arizona Cardinals, you would think it would be filled with a lot more original draft picks than it currently is. Less than half the team, less than half the projected starters for the Arizona Cardinals right now, are not original draft picks. And so he's his results have been really uneven. Now, their recent investments, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, going with these like versatile, hybrid-type defenders. So you'd like to think that that's been a nice infusion of young defensive talent, but collectively, man, like, they need more to show for this type of tenure that a general manager has been there.
1: I guess my question for you is when is the last draft class that you look at for Arizona that you would classify as a good draft Ooh. class? Obviously, you can't, you can't quantify the 2020 draft because it's only after one year. And you can't quantify 2021 because they haven't played any snaps yet in meaningful games. But the 2019 draft, the big move there was to the pivot away from Josh Rosen. And obviously, Kyler has been a productive starting quarterback, but uh, there are some questions there. And you look at what they have with the rest of that draft capital with uh, Andy Isabella in the second round and Zach Allen in the third round and Hakeem Butler in the fourth round of that draft. And then the year before that was the Rosen, Kirk, Mason Cole. Chase Edmonds was a good pick in the fourth round Uh but Cole and Rosen have been largely swings and misses and Kirk feels like he's on the fringe because they're bringing in uh, mummies to play wide receiver there uh, (laughs) and take some of those other reps away from Christian Kirk. So like 2017 had a couple of nice hits there at the top with Hassan and Buda Baker. Is that enough to quantify it as a good draft?
0: No, because it took so long. Like they only got one meaningful year out of Reddick, and now he's on the Panthers. So I would say no, dude, I'd go back to 15. D.J. Humphreys, who's a starting left tackle, a a legit starting left tackle. Marcus Golden's been a good edge. And then David Johnson was a really good third-round pick. I think it's been since 2015 where the Cardinals have had a draft class where you say, wow, that was a win. That was a a haul that impacted the course of their franchise. A lot of misses along the way, man.
1: So I would agree with your sentiment that Arizona specifically – They've done pretty well, at least over the last couple of seasons, to to not be picking a below average number of times. Um the fact that they did spend a third round pick and got Rodney Hudson this year, I think needs to be applauded. Yep. That that's a great yep. addition for them, you know, for the sake of being fair and transparent. But uh yeah, I mean I look at the hit rate and I and I certainly wouldn't call it above average. So that that's kind of the first place it goes in a division that's filled with teams that are in Super Bowl windows. When you think about San Francisco was just in a Super Bowl and Seattle with Russell Wilson and the Los Angeles Rams just went out and got Matt Stafford and haven't picked in the first round in 10 years. So like <laughs> there, there's a lot of heat on Arizona and that's you know, we on this podcast know all about chasing the division, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we we've all been in the AFC, so you've been chasing the Patriots for two decades. Arizona's kind of in a precarious spot here where they might be chasing the other three teams
0: so as far as life cycle status i have arizona in win now i mean you're three of tyler and cliff you make a move like signing jj watt who said he wanted to go to a contender and he he goes to arizona you bring in aj green you bring in rodney hudson Yeah, To me, those are all signals that this is a team that is in win-now mode and in year three of, I guess, the Kingsbury-Murray era. Obviously, Kime's been there a long time. Time to win.
1: Yeah, the pressure's on. And if it doesn't materialize, then you're probably looking at uh, a team in transition. Uh, If it doesn't work out that way, because obviously Kyler will be entering bring into the fourth year of his contract in 2022 and a head coach that you think complements him the same way that Cliff Kingsbury does. And that can get a little messy. So I, I do think they're in win now, but they're also in the hot seat.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. It's like they're in win now, but not necessarily because we think they're going to win now because they, they just have to be there. Yeah, yeah. Based on the moves they've made to this point, to feel this roster, you gotta go win games.
1: So, so team needs from here. Yeah.
0: Team needs. I've got a lot written down.
1: Uh, okay. Um, cornerback is number one, correct?
0: Yeah. So I, I wrote down cornerback and I, I want to acknowledge that they drafted Marco Wilson in the fourth round and Tay out in the sixth round. And obviously a couple of day three picks doesn't erase the concern that everyone should have at cornerback. But if, those guys become the truth along with Byron Murphy. We can ease off of that, but that's a, a storyline that has to play out.
1: So what else do you – they don't need linebackers. We know that for a fact because they've been drafting them in the first round. <laughs> I,
0: I don't have linebacker written down, but I think defensive line and offensive line, I think there's upgradable spots for both. Um, they can be better in the trenches for sure on both sides of the football. I have tight end written down. Um, especially, know,
1: if, especially if Cliff they transition away from Cliff, because then you, you'll yeah. probably have a much larger role for that player versus them being. I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, because Buffalo is either one or two. The NFL's most frequent ten personnel grouping last year was Arizona.
0: Yeah, it's Arizona. Uh, they're above Buffalo, and then running back where Eno Benjamin's the only back signed beyond this year. And then I think we got to figure out this wide receiver core. I know DeAndre Hopkins is the truth, and he's a true number one, and Rondell Moore is an exciting young player, but what do you really have in A.J. Green and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella? Like, I don't know that there's much there, and you have Rondell Moore as a guy who has a concerning injury pass. So I think there's a rework of this receiver core that needs to happen as well.
1: Yeah, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. Wide receiver was – Number two written down for me, Uh, the interior offensive line, aside of uh, Rodney Hudson, is a bit of a concern. Uh, The names that they brought in on the front, on the other side of the ball, J.J. Watt, long in the tooth. Uh, He's not a long-term answer. He lost to Son Reddick, as you said. Uh, So pass rush inside and out. Interior offensive line, wide receiver, corner, those are all spots that I think Arizona could very easily go uh, which the good news for them, this is a great draft to need some of those spots. Not all of them, but some of them.
0: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LockedOn. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, time to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. And as we've done for all the teams, we're going to start with the recent draft hauls and The thing about the recent draft calls for the (laughs) Los Angeles Rams is there's not a whole lot of first-round picks to show for them with what they've invested in Jared Goff and the move to get him and and Jalen Ramsey, and now with Matthew Stafford. I mean, Aaron Donald in 2014 is – was he 14 or 15? 2014, yeah. He's the last first-round pick that they drafted – that is a starter for them. And, like, that goes with – since then, it's been Todd Gurley and, and Jared Goff. I mean, they're not even picking in the first round.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's – that uh, that 14 class had a couple nice picks in it. Uh, <laughs> of Marcus course, it starts Joyner. with a
0: bust in Greg Robinson, though, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> Come yeah.
1: back with Todd well, and Joyner. Let's be fair. Greg played 83 games at the NFL level. He
0: struggled through 80 games. Yes, he well, did.
1: Well, you know, he still played them. He still you played know, him.
0: Bobby Hart's got about 75 starts under his belt. So,
1: All right, I'll move on. Uh, point taken. <laughs> I think one thing that uh, the Rams have done a nice job of is getting middle round picks. Absolutely. Despite not having high level picks. You look at this past year. They had a two, a three, and three fours. You look at the year after that in 2020, they had two twos, two threes, and a four. The year after that in 2019, they had a two, three threes, and a four. So they're getting good volume on day two and early in day three, which Joe, as as we went through the roster construction exercise that we did over the last two weeks, it's pretty eye-opening to see some of the talent yeah. that that can be found there, the the Hit rate or the conversion rate might not be as strong, but if you're a team that has good coaching and stability, uh, that's that's something that can pull you along and, and help keep you stable. And I look at some of the names that they've pulled in that stretch, like a Terrell Burgess, potentially a Van Jefferson with development, Cam Akers slash Daryl Henderson. Henderson's obviously gonna be the lead back this year. Uh, David Long, the corner. Uh, we'll see what, what plans have for the guys that they pulled in in 2021, but uh, there's a reasonable amount of Jordan Fuller was a sixth round pick in 2020 Mm -hmm. and he's been a productive player early on for them. Um, so they've had their fair share of hits along the way, just not necessarily with premier draft capital because they're using that to acquire premier talent.
0: Yep. So it's, it's assets and how they maximize their assets. And obviously they think that instead of picking in the bottom 10 or 12 of the first round, let's use two first round picks and get Jalen Ramsey, who is an elite corner and we'll be happy to pay him. Right. That's that's their team building philosophy. And you can't argue with what's happened under McVay. They've been a winner every single year. And a lot of people think this is a super bowl contender this year. And that gets us to where they are in their life cycle. And I, I wrote down long-term contender. And yeah, I think I think the reason that's the case is number one what Sean McVay's proven through 3 years of the head coach's football team and the the move that they made to get Matthew Stafford, I mean, pretty aggressive parting with two first round picks for him. I mean, you've got the best defensive player potentially of our generation in Aaron Donald. You have your star in Jalen Ramsey, you're paying these wide receivers. Their philosophy is kind of plugging in the rest of the roster and I'm sure they'll continue to do that, but I think they believe they have what they need. And so I think this is absolutely a team that's going to be right in it when it comes to, you know, the the king of the NFC for the foreseeable future.
1: So I don't have the number as of this point in time. But as of May 15th, the Los Angeles Rams had the youngest average age of their entire roster of any team in the NFL. They were the youngest team from top to bottom average age, at 24.6 years of age for the entire offseason roster. So when you take that into account... He's 105, right? Right. (laughs) Right. So I agree. Long-term contender, young contender, however you want to classify it. Uh, They have a lot of young talent because they've been drafting in the mid-rounds by volume. And the guys that they have been going out and getting jalen ramsey with the premier picks are young guys that are still in the prime of their career so yeah i I think they're they're in an admirable spot so long as they continue to uh, hit singles and doubles on day two of the draft so
0: as we look towards future needs kyle when i was examining this roster and the contracts and where i thought it was weak i became very surprised By how much the Rams have locked up long term. Like there's not a lot of pressing contracts that they're going to have to deal with. Right. I think the big one is Darius Williams, and he's up after this year. A really good cornerback for them. But the guys that you look at as staples and, you know, the what do they say? The straw that stirs the drink here in Los Angeles, they've got these guys locked up.
1: Yeah, at least for a three-year window. And you've got Stafford under contract so you you know exactly what you're gonna get um i looked at the offensive line yes and that's there's, there's number one some improvements to be made there and and whether or not anybody on the roster whether it's joe noteboom or anybody else is a long-term replacement for andrew whitworth uh who is not 105 or whatever you said it was
0: <laughs> he's old but he's rude
1: dead. rude um i also look at depth at tight end behind tyler higby Uh, Higby's become a nice little player in the NFL. Uh, but I look at what they have behind him. They just drafted Jacob Harris. That's, uh, kind of a developmental pick. We'll see if it materializes for them. Uh, they've made some good investments in wide receiver, but after Deshaun Jackson goes away, uh, you'll need Van Jefferson to step up to the plate and obviously Tutu Atwell as well. So there's some unproven commodities that they've made investments to on the offensive side of the ball but not necessarily depth that at this point in time, if those players, if Deshaun Jackson were to retire and Van Jefferson doesn't take a step forward, I don't know that I'm necessarily comfortable with the depth that you have at wide receiver.
0: Yeah, they better hope Tutu Atwell pans out, but I have it written down offensive line, corner, and then linebacker. Because I think a lot of what they have is secured and Locked up. And so I think the most immediate things, that's what I'd be focusing on if I were less need in company.
1: Man, they've even got a nice three-piece at, at safety. They sure Rap, do. And that's Rap Fuller, and Burgess. And that's with saying goodbye to John Johnson. They just let him walk. Right. So Rap 2019 <laughs> second round pick. Burgess, 2020 third round pick. Fuller, 2026th round pick. It's a testament to yeah. how they've been doing it.
0: So... Chris Schubert's favorite team the san francisco 49ers up next he's fist pumping and everything you don't get off you don't you off the hook that easy for being a jets fan just because I said it this is the team that i I have just gone out on a limb for this
1: season so I'm going to commit for the entire year until they lose in week one and then I'll be off the bandwagon good good bet former team of top 10 quarterback Josh rosen former he was, former he team. was he was waived yesterday No, was he really? Yes, he was. Says recently recently had said he wasn't getting enough reps in practice.
0: Wow. So that's (laughs) four teams in less than four years that have said
1: we're good. Arizona, Miami, Tampa Bay, San Francisco. Looking for number five.
0: Kyle, this is bad. It's one of our one of,
1: one of our all time draft misses. Josh Rosen. My like, God. Like comfortably one of our all-time draft misses. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure. Yep. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> the recent draft hauls for the San Francisco 49ers, this is probably the one team in this division that has actually been pretty consistent with first round picks.
1: <laughs> yeah. They
0: tend to keep them and, and invest them. Uh, so they have that going for them. But I mean, you you have to you have to mention these three massive steals that they've hit on in my mind. George Kittle in the fifth round, probably the best tight end of the game. Fred Warner in the third round, probably the best linebacker in the game. And obviously, Dre Greenlaw is a really good linebacker in the fifth round. So they've hit on some first-round picks. They have some nice talent. But when you come away with that type of value with later selections, man, that's impressive to go with the Nick Boses and the Mike McGlinchies. Of the world that they've been able to acquire, and Eric Armstead, and you know some of the young players they have coming up.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't even really get into like the DJ Joneses of the world as a sixth round pick back in twenty seventeen, which was the first draft of of this regime, and uh, you know even getting second round guys like Debo Samuel, and obviously yeah. he's not been super durable, but he's been productive when he's been on the field. And they double-dipped on first-round guys with Ken Law and Ioke in 2020, and both of them had prominent roles on the team. So, like, this is quite the nice rebound from drafting Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster, Akella Witherspoon, C.J. Beathard, and Joe Williams with their first picks as a regime. <laughs> like, you could not cook up a worse no. possible start no. <laughs> from top to bottom than that, right?
0: No question. They've bounced back well. Um Got, they've got a lot a lot of good things happening here. and um, Now, they won't be picking in the first round for a while. Uh, Trey Lance will be their first-round pick for the next couple of years. But um, this is a good roster. This is a good roster.
1: Uh, uh, win now mentality in San Francisco? Okay, so
0: I don't have him as win now. I picked young contender for San Francisco. I... I so Shuby's nodding his head or Kyle's just blank face. What What's wrong with young contender
1: here? I, I think What's it's a, it's a reasonable bucket to put them in. But I do, I do look at a team that has had one winning season since 2013. And I do think there should be a little bit of aggression and pressure. And the fact that, you know, they traded as much as they did to go get a quarterback. I think does kind of cast those expectations in a certain light that like, you're clearly expecting to contend right now. So for me, it was, and I understand injuries have been a big issue for them. Uh, They were a huge issue for them last year. They went six and 10. I still have all the faith in the world as Kyle Shanahan as a offensive mind in the game, but just generally speaking, the fact that, you have to go back to 2013 for their next winning season after the 2019 Super Bowl appearance.
0: So you think it's more complimentary for me to call them a young contender than to put them in win now? Yes. And you think I should be a little more cautious about that? No,
1: I don't think you should be more cautious. I understand what you're saying because a lot of their cornerstones are young players, and they just acquired their perceived franchise quarterback. So I understand what your thought process is for me. I just chose to look at it from a different angle.
0: Okay, fair enough. So future needs. Something jump out to you right off the bat.
1: Well, they've got a ton of depth in a ton of different spots. They just locked in Trent Williams. Mike McGlinchey has been up and down. Right, So I think you could maybe ask the question there. I do think there's some room for improvement uh, depending on what happens with Aaron Banks at the other guard mm-hmm. spot opposite Lakin Tomlinson, who's kind of been like a persistent for them there. Uh, so Banks has the opportunity to develop. Great. Uh, I think depth behind tight end is something that definitely needs to be tended to. I don't think there's with the, some of the durability issues that this wide receiver core has between, uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Jalen Hurd, uh, the fact that Mohammed Sanu's in the picture here. <laughs> I think there's, there's certainly room to add more quality targets in the passing game, uh, as something for them. And then maybe a little bit more juice in between the tackles. And then we'll see what happens at corner this year. If Jason Verrett can have an encore of staying healthy, like he did last year. Had a tremendous year last year, um, but you know their, their their corner situation is something I had kind of have a watchful eye on to see where it goes from here.
0: So I have a lot of similarity. Um, I do have running back written down with Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, the only two signed beyond this year. It's I have okay. Keep I wrote down keep an eye on wide receiver, right? Because I yep. mean, if, if yep. Ayuk and Samuel are the truth, then that's a really nice pair, but you know, like what, what else does this wide receiver core have? So I, I would be looking to invest there. I'd be looking to get a veteran, like go to receiver for Trey Lance. Uh, That's what I'd be wanting to do if
1: I were, but not Muhammad Sunil.
0: No, I'm talking about like, if you had a chance to sign an Allen Robinson, like a a player like that, like go in on a really good, true number one receiver. Um. I have interior offensive line written down. Uh, yep. Defensive line, uh, collectively, yep. your yep. only yep. your only players signed beyond yep. this year are Eric Armstead, D. Ford, Javon Kinlaw, and Nick Bosa. And I guess if there's four, you'd pick they'd be those four. But you know, you're you're playing an even front. You're going to be rotating quite a few players into that, so you need to figure that out. Linebacker depth is something to be mindful of. You you talked about the corner situation and and the importance of Varette and just needing more there. And then I'd say safety as well with Jimmy Ward and uh to, I can't say his name well Talona Hufanga a rookie
1: Talanoa uh, Hufanga
0: yeah he that's the only two safeties they have signed beyond this year so there's plenty of things that they can be focused on and um that's that's kind of where I see their priorities did you know that Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors there is something for everyone they have coconut cherry raspberry mint brownie double chocolate cookies and cream orange strawberry and salted caramel in my pantry right now, I keep rotating between orange and cookies and cream, so those are my favorites right now, but maybe you want to try built Bars, but you don't know where to start. You should get a mixed box. That's where you can get two of each of the nine flavors and try them all and figure out which ones are your favorites, and not only are built Bars the best-tasting protein bars on the planet, they are healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories range from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. If you want to try Bilt Bar, we've got a deal for you. Go to BiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. All right, Seattle Seahawks and their franchise cornerstone, Jamal Adams, are up next.
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: So we start with draft history and um, man, Seattle does it it's interesting.
1: Right? It's interesting.
0: <laughs> I, I just this is what I wrote down uneven results with a lack of
1: premium hits. So I like what Jordan Brooks did last year in the opportunities he was afforded. He already, in my opinion, looks like the best first-round pick that they have had since... Oh, boy. um, Russell Okung in 2010. (laughs) Seriously, the first-round picks... No, you're not wrong. The first-round picks since 2010 in Russell Okung for Seattle are Jordan Brooks in 2020, LJ Collier in 2019, Rashad Penny in 2018, Jermaine Effetti in 2016. (sighs) Bruce Irvin in 2012, James Carpenter in 2011, and then Russell Okun, Earl Thomas, and Golden Tate with Cam Chancellor in the fifth round of the same draft in 2010.
0: Brother, if you want to go back to like year 2000 and you look at like the last couple decades of draft, like first-round picks for Seattle, you're not really going to find any hits. Hey, you I mean, leave Mark-
1: Jeremy Stevens out of this.
0: Listen, it's it's Marcus Trufont. Steve and Hutchinson
1: was a Hall of Famer drafted where was he in 2001. Drafted?
0: 2001. There we go. <laughs> We're going way back. In
1: 2001. Hey, that was and the, Sean that was... Alexander the year before that.
0: 2000, 2001. So Corrin Robinson was their first pick in 2001. I didn't see they had two, sec- two first round picks yeah, that
1: year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. Listen, okay. thank, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness this team drafted the way they did from 2010 to 2012. It got them a Super Bowl. They did a wonderful job. Chris yeah, is beside that's... himself because we're way outside the strike zone of recent draft history, but there's not a lot <laughs> to talk about with recent draft history here. They hit, they nailed DK Metcalf.
0: Hmm. I mean, look, Damian Lewis looks like a nice uh, pick for them in the third round. I like his ability as a starter. Alton Robinson showed out pretty well as a defensive end for them last year. Um. <laughs>
1: They 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 are one of those teams that very much has their own set of criteria, and it yes. works for them. They stay competitive, but you can't help but ask yourself what it would look like if there was more consistency with the selections to supplement the nucleus of the team. I think that's a fair question to
0: ask. It it absolutely, and how much how valuable Russell Wilson is to this franchise. Yeah. yeah. All right. So where do you put them in the life cycle? Well, this is
1: definitely a win now life cycle.
0: Okay, so what makes you say win now and not a long-term contender?
1: Because Russell Wilson has had some bumps in the road over the last couple of years. There was the trade rumors this offseason. You're not buying what I'm selling here.
0: No, I understand. Um
1: Let me When ask you, you say this. bumps in the
0: like, okay, you can win a super, like, Russell Wilson's one of the best six or seven quarterbacks in the NFL, right?
1: No, I'm just talking about his his long-term view of staying with the team.
0: Oh, you're concerned about him not being there.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, that's a problem.
1: Because let me ask you this. If you take Russell Wilson off of this football team right now, how many games do they win?
0: Not many. Five.
1: That was the exact number I had in my head, five or six wins.
0: So the reason I said, okay, I I have it written down as long-term contender, but maybe you are correct in win now being the better place. I just look throughout this roster and whether it's, you know, guy like Gabe Jackson, Dwayne Brown up front, Tyler Lockett's an established vet. They're paying Chris Carson. They have Russ Wilson. Carlos Dunlap's a key piece for them on defense. Bobby Wagner, you know, they, Jamal Adams, they just, gave the bag to. So I I look at some like very established veterans Yep, and I feel like that signals to me like they think they're a long-term contender where they are right now, but win now might be the better answer if there's concern that Russell Wilson's days are numbered in Seattle.
1: Or at least you you have to, there was a lot of friction there about him having input on what was happening with the team, right? You remember the reports that came out this off season about that?
0: Yeah, and obviously it's a that's an overall talking point, right? Cuz like Aaron Rodgers' situation in Green Bay is soured mm-hmm. because of that. Like so not that I want to open up an entire can of worms, but to what level should franchise quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks expect to be involved in these types of decisions?
1: I think that's a unique expectation for everybody, but I think every quarterback that has reached arguably Hall of Fame status, I say that comfortably with Aaron Rodgers, Um, Mm -hmm. I say that with a fair level of confidence for Russell Wilson based on his winning and production, and he has a championship pedigree already. um, They're going to want to have their handprints all over. Uh, And you hear some coaches talk about this all the time. At the end of the day, coaches have the infrastructure, but the players that are the ones that have to go out and execute it. And the players have to be on the same page. The players have to see things the same way. And if they don't, that's where miscommunications happen. And that's where in close ball games, you, you may make a mistake that's going to cost you a football game. And, and in the playoffs, there's the margin for error is that small every year.
0: Did you catch Brett Veach's comments about the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay?
1: I did not, no.
0: So for anybody who's not familiar, Veach is the general manager for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he came out and said he would be shocked if things in Kansas City ever got to that level of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. And kind of alluding to the involvement of Patrick Mahomes in in decisions. And Uh um, Brandon Bean was asked about Veach's comments on the Aaron Rodgers situation. And he said, kind of echoed what he said. He said that, you know, look, anything that's re- involving Josh Allen, you know, we keep him informed. He's not here to make personal decisions, but we do keep him informed. So like, <laughs> it just makes me wonder, like, you know, to what level these guys are actually kept in the loop and what our expectation should be for them to be kept in the loop.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think that's an easy answer. And I think everybody, I mean, we, we saw Tom, we saw with Tom Brady. And his desire to get Antonio Brown in the mix, right? It existed in new England. Uh, and then it it eventually materialized in new England and, and Antonio Brown had some off the field things that resulted in him being cut from the team. And then he goes to Tampa Bay and sure enough, who shows yep. up in Tampa Bay, Antonio Brown Yeah, yep. happens all the time with the top level guys.
0: All right. So future needs for the Seattle Seahawks. I'll tell you what I have down. I have four things yep. written down. Okay. Uh, the, the one that's most important is secondary. And I know they just got Jamal Adams locked up, but Trey flowers, Akello Witherspoon. That's your corner tandem.
1: I would not <laughs> be surprised if it works halfway decent for him, though, because it has for forever. That's been the blueprint. I know that they lost Shaq Griffin. I hear you.
0: System wise. I know that's kind of their, they got their guys in there, yep, but I,
1: yep, 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 yep.
0: I wouldn't be, I would not be satisfied with that. Um, I have tight end uh, Colby Parkinson's, your only tight end sign beyond this year. And
1: well, Desley's been good when he's been healthy. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's not healthy. been healthy.
0: Yeah. Uh, O-line, uh, I think there are still opportunities here, whether that's right tackle where Brandon Shell is your scheduled starter. Uh, Ethan Pochick at center. He's somebody I'd be looking to upgrade. Dwayne Brown, he's a contract is up after the year. They have to figure that out. So there's some stuff to sort out with that offensive line. Uh, I would say also keep investing in the defensive line. Uh, I think they have some some reasonable pieces here in Cary Heider and Puna Ford and Daryl Taylor showed some promise. Uh, Carlos Dunlap matters a lot here, but I still think that there is room for more depth and more difference makers if you can find them.
1: Amen to that. One thing they don't need, safeties. Adams, Marquise, Blair, Quandre, Diggs. <laughs> right. Low-key Should got Demarius Randall. Hiding there in the background, so got good depth there. Uh, three safety sets. Let's look for it. Let's see how much they get involved. But uh, don't need wide receivers to side maybe some depth either with Lockett and Metcalf and, and obviously Eskridge who's on PUP right now, but they made some big investments in that room. So some things they yeah, need, some things fun. they don't.
0: If Eskridge pans out for them, that's oh a tough gosh. trio, man.
1: Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. There's a
0: lot to deal with there. <laughs> well,
1: we had a lot of fun. As well, here on this Wednesday episode of the Draft Dudes podcast, we cordially invite you to return for yet another episode tomorrow. Keep your ear to the ground as far as what division we do next. We will leave it a surprise. so You're going to have to hit subscribe, come on back, and hear the breakdown as we continue to work through the entirety of the NFL with our State of the Union addresses. Kyle Krabs, German, and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.